This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. Today we have a special guest for you who comes to us all the way from Malaysia, award-winning children's book author and illustrator Violet LeMay. And I'm Mary Elkins. Violet has illustrated 44 books, mostly for kids, six of which she also wrote. Her latest book, Let's Be Friends, won the Book Fest's first place award for diversity in children's books. Welcome, Violet. Thank you, ladies. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me onto your awesome podcast. Thank you. Glad to have you. Please tell us about your background and your upbringing and how that led you to illustrate and write children's books. Okay. Well, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, Mm. and I was always, always, always busy with my hands, always drawing. And um, when I was in school, I excelled especially in art class and I could always write really well like if there was ever a writing assignment that was fine for me math not so much (laughs) that that was definitely the more toward the arts um, in school and that's what I always did and when I was in high school I got really involved in making costumes and sets for scenery and actually I went to um, a theater conservatory to study costume and set design and um, that's how I got my undergrad degree and I was working in theater throughout all those years and then afterward moved to New York and I worked in theater in New York um, until one day I just realized I was living my dream and I wasn't very happy doing it. And so I redirected and ended up going to grad school to study illustration and became an illustrator. And I uh, started out illustrating for editorial publications, newspapers and magazines and had a wonderful agent and got lots of great work and All of that was fine until I had my son and started reading children's books and decided I really wished I was illustrating those super fun books. And then I had to leave the agency I was at, which was difficult because I loved my agent and I loved being in that group. It was a wonderful group, Um, but she didn't handle children's books, which is a different market. So I had to go out on my own for a little while and then was um, taken in by a children's book illustration agency where I'm still at. I have another amazing agent. She's incredible. And um, yeah, she's gotten me all kinds of jobs. And in all of that, I also, when I got into children's books, I worked for a short time for some years as an art director for a small children's book, excuse me, small book publishing company. And um, while I was working there as an art director, I, that job was very interesting because I got to see all parts of publishing, how the book happens from the moment it's submitted all the way through to published book and on the shelf and being distributed and marketed and all that. So it was quite an education. But when I was reading the manuscripts that came in that were written by these amazing authors, 
um, I was, <laughs> I always just thought I could definitely write this. I could write like this, I could do it. And so then I started submitting my own manuscripts and started getting published as an author illustrator. So that's pretty much it. Wow. Well, you, you mentioned being a, a theatrical costume and set designer in New York. Mm -hmm. and, and you also said you were living your dream and you didn't love it. But is that what led you to change the whole course of your life and your career and also move from country to country? Um, mm -hmm. And so is that what led you there? And also, what advice would you like to offer our listeners who are contemplating the same moves? Okay. Well, leaving that first career of theater stuff, yeah, I was definitely just unhappy with the lifestyle of that job, which was, I was so expensive living in New York City and I was living in Manhattan by myself. This was in the 90s. It wasn't, it was completely different than it is now. And I was able to do that, but, um, but I was, wasn't there a whole lot. I, my job required me to travel a lot and that was fun and interesting, but it just, I wanted something like a more stable lifestyle, I guess for me, it just, it just wasn't sort of working for me. And I was also working with these amazing designers who I'd studied, you know, when I was a student and some of them just didn't seem very happy. And so when I looked at them and thought they're really living like the high end of this dream and they didn't seem very happy, I thought, oh, I just had a feeling. And that, that was probably just the world showing me this isn't for you. Maybe they were actually happy, but when I saw them, I, I didn't see happiness. I was projecting it probably onto them. Anyway, so that's why I left. I, I just thought I was just unhappy and I wanted to be happy. And um, so, yeah, I completely changed course. And that led me to move so that I could go for school. Um, but then the other moves, moving around internationally, that's happened because of my husband's job opportunities. And um, I did, I was the main one at first, encouraging him to take the job. He had a job offer overseas in New Zealand. And our son was a teenager at the time. And that was very stressful trying to decide what to do because we didn't want to, you know, you want to make the best choice for your kids. And um, that turned out for us to have been such an amazing choice. We made absolutely the right choice. We moved to New Zealand and my son completed his entire high school experience there and um, loved it because he was the only American in the school. So I think he had a little bit of sort of this oh. rock star status that he- little notoriety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I say that jokingly, you know, I mean, but, but he, it was just it was good for all of us. It just turned out to be good for all of us. And uh, we loved living in New Zealand. And then my husband had another, this incredible job offer in China. So we moved sort of like piece by piece. We moved to China. He moved nine months ahead of us um, well, because my difficult. son, that was a very difficult time because my son was still in high, completing his high school. We didn't want to, you know, we we're going to let him finish his senior year of high school. And then um, we followed and then COVID hit a few months after my son and I got there. So while you were in China, yeah, yeah, we were in, left. You weren't on lockdown. We, in China. Oh, we were in lockdown in China and getting out was very scary because flight after flight after flight was being canceled. And that was just a crazy story. There's so much more to it than that. It was just it would be a, a book that if you read it, you couldn't believe it because just so many stressful. <laughs> you maybe should write that. You have to write it. Someday. Yeah, someday I will. Anyway, though, maybe, but yeah, we had to. No, maybe ahead. you write it from a kid's point of view. 
You know, that's and not maybe a bad not idea. a teenager yeah. that just graduated high school, but a younger child that's like confused by it, and then later comes to understand. Or I don't know. I'm making this up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're that's the author. Idea. That's a you're great idea. But it you know, is. It's a fantastic idea. And mm -hmm. you've lived abroad since 2015, you know? So can mm. you tell us a little bit more about what it's like living overseas and how you maneuver the different cultural challenges mm -hmm. and how do you integrate those into your work or do you? Mm. Well, of course, it depends on where you're living. The challenges are gonna vary from place to place. Um, language is a big deal. So for example, when we lived in New Zealand, no problem. It's an English speaking country, so that wasn't an issue. Um, moving to China, that was such a huge issue. Uh, language is, well, now there are apps. You can use translation apps. So you speak into your phone, into the app, and it'll give you a translation on the screen. But those, that's so helpful, but only so accurate. You know, there are still miscommunications all the time. Um, so language is a big deal. Uh, banking, money, all of that. Oh, my goodness. It's all, it can be very stressful. I would say, Making the move to live overseas is, I, I would have to say, I don't think it's for everyone. I, I think it's for, you have to be the kind of person who can tolerate a lot of just like flying by the seat of your pants. I was about <laughs> to say chaos. Yeah, yeah it, it is a little chaotic. It can be very stressful, especially for me, it was the money stuff, all the paperwork, the visas, and um, a lot of our travels have happened during COVID and the lockdown, which just complicates everything. So it, it has its stresses for sure. And depending on where you live, different kinds of stresses. Of course, China was also, it's a communist country. So there's all that going on. And it, that was, but where, where I want to say China? This, we were in uh, Ningbo, which is not too far from Shanghai, a giant, 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 giant city that nobody's ever heard of. One of many in China. Um, but yeah, the main thing, though, that I've learned from living overseas is that everybody is the same everywhere you go. People, they speak different languages and the systems are different, but people are just people. Yeah. Everybody is welcoming and, you know, joyful. Everybody, you know, well, no matter where I've gone, everybody's wanted to just enjoy their life, have fun, um, love their kids, you know, want to contribute in a meaningful way to the world through their work. And, you know, people are just people. Um, and that's definitely <laughs> come out through my work in my own books that I've written. The books I've written most recently are about that, about just that, you know, people are people. Everybody's the same and there's nothing to be afraid of. If people look different or seem different or do different things that at their core, you know, everyone's heart is the same. Well, what kind of cultural challenges did you come up against, though, as far as the way Americans behave versus Chinese people or New Zealanders yeah. or Malaysians mm -hmm. or well okay starting with New Zealand and I love New Zealand and New Zealanders um, for sure uh, it was of all the places we lived it might be my favorite place that we've lived um, but yeah there's there are cultural differences for sure and I made that joke about the rock star thing with my son in his school but in New Zealand uh, I feel like well New Zealand is an independent tiny little island nation and they want to be self-sufficient you know and that's so admirable and but i was you know an american author illustrator working for american publishing companies in new zealand and for me i didn't feel the like the bookstores and that kind of thing weren't super welcoming because for me because they wanted to promote their own authors and illustrators, New Zealanders. And I respect that for sure. But yeah, I had a harder time 
just with certain aspects of my business in New Zealand. Um, but I love New Zealand. So I don't, don't mean to say anything negative about that place. Everybody there was amazing. People were wonderful. It was just a kind of a little thing that you noticed. The longer we were there, the more I noticed it. And, the, and also the more I understood it. Yeah. Because um, even my son in his school, the, the work that they would study in English class, you know, like English lit and stuff like that. There were so many New Zealand authors that they studied um, that I'd never heard of and thought, well, of course, we're in New Zealand. It just sort of took me a while to to get a hold of all of that, I guess. Uh, it's just a different- uh, So you know, kind different... of an insular mentality that they- Yeah, just kind like of. an island. Well, yeah, like an island. Yeah. Yeah. What about yeah. China? I mean, that's with all the, those people and, and they do have completely different cultural expe expectations of each other than we do. China, yeah. I, I only actually lived in China for four or five months. Um, oh. And a lot of that was during the lockdown. So I, we, I did mingle with people and go out into the world in China some, but not nearly as much as we did when we were in New Zealand. But yeah, China, completely different vibe, completely different, uh, yeah, different place culturally and because of the government. Um, mm -hmm. More, I think the culture, a lot of it is a lot more conservative. And, um, and also we were so foreign there. We yeah. were so foreign. And my son is super tall. He's, he's well over six feet tall and he has bright red hair. Oh. And everywhere we went, people would literally point at him and everyone was just turning. He was just like a marvel of nature oh, <laughs> in yeah. China. He drew so much attention to himself. Which, and, um, at his age, he probably hated that. Yeah, he's always sort of hated the attention from his hair and all that. But in China, it was pretty spectacular. But once, oh, here's a cute story. We were um, at this, we were vacationing with some Chinese people doing this little weekend trip thing. And so we were at a, like a nice resort. And the girl who worked at the desk, very, very bashfully, she couldn't speak English, so she brought a friend with her to interpret, and she was asking if she could have her photo taken with my son because of the way, because he just looked different, I guess. And that photo, we have it, it's hilarious because he is as red as his hair. It's just the funniest, funniest, funniest thing. He was so embarrassed. But yeah, he, we drew a lot of attention just being Americans. Yeah. And I think the younger generations of Chinese people are very, you know, like, much more liberal in their dress and fashion, they're into fashion and all of that. There is a certain type of Chinese fashion, I noticed, um, but also a lot of like just typical American walking around looking stuff, but the older generations I think are much more conservative. <laughs> um, and you can tell in the style of dress. So that was the thing about China that I noticed most. Oh, that's and Mala Malaysia is a melting pot where we live now of just everywhere. Um, you just see people from all over the world. And it's difficult even to know what language you're going to get from any. Everyone speaks English, but I mean, you, it's difficult to predict what a person's native language is because everyone's just from all over and is very, very welcoming. And yeah, we had the same, you know, like frustrations with setting up bank accounts and paperwork and all the same stuff as China, but same, but different. And uh, it just seems once we left China, we realized how hard it was living there. <laughs> everything was an effort and when we when we arrived in malaysia it was just oh we noticed we could just finally take a breath and relax everything oh, was easier interesting yeah. well back to your books besides mm. writing and illustrating books you mentioned you've also worked in children's publishing as an mm. art director and book designer please mm -hmm. tell us about that world and how someone might break into it 
Oh, well, I would recommend to any young creative person, especially someone who's a visual artist who wants to get into publishing to definitely try to go in it through the angle of designing books because they're, I don't know, when I was an art director, it was my job at this little company to hire designers for the books. And I had a hard time finding people to do it. So, you know, <laughs> if there's a need, fill the need. That's a good way to get in, I would say for sure. Um, but yeah, my job as an art director, that job is kind of like being a project manager. It's a tricky job. Uh, that's why I didn't stay in the job for very long. For me, it was a lot about managing people, which is just not a kind of work I enjoy very much. I'm sort of more like, I like to be by myself, drawing more about the art, not so good with managing people, but that job is a difficult, but important and very, very interesting job. Um, the art director sort of is like a go-between between the artists, the contributors, and then the editors and the publisher and all that. So you're like the funnel, it goes through both ways. I'm always trying to sort of like smooth out comments so that nobody's feelings are ruffled, you know, cause you're dealing with a bunch of very sensitive artists and having to give them criticism and, mm -hmm. and honest feedback and all that. So yeah, it's a, tr it's a tricky, but Interesting, rewarding job for sure, for sure. I, I wanted and, to share a little aside with you. When my mm. daughter was seven years old, she wrote a children's book called The Twelve Dogs of Christmas, which is a perennial oh. bestseller. It sold, I think, 750,000 wow. books or something. But um, at the time, uh, it, it was immediately published and <gasps> they put age seven on the book on the cover and a picture of her on the back and it's all about dogs and the art designer for that um publishing house which was tommy nelson they um put her with the best art people they they illustrated it so perfectly oh that's so great what so, a cool story yeah and then it got made into two movies and oh my so, word yeah <laughs> Way to go, My daughter. husband was a producer, so yeah, he she's, made, she's still amazing. He made the two oh. movies, but it was fabulous because she did a book tour. She got oh, to promote fun. the book, and uh, she went on TV and promoted the book several oh times. Gosh. At seven years old. Yeah, That's well, incredible. by the time it came out, she was eight, so uh -huh. she was pretty damn sophisticated on those TV shows. Oh. It was pretty <laughs> so amazing. sweet. What amazing. a great book idea. That sounds like so much fun. I'm going to have to look it up. It's the takeoff on the the song, the twelve dogs mm -hmm. of the twelve days Those of Christmas. Twelve days of Christmas. The yeah. twelve dogs of Christmas. It has a surprise ending. Oh. It's very very cute. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to you'll, read it. You'll like it. It's I, as far as I know, it's still in print and everything. Yeah, cool. I'll find it for sure. Well, most seven year olds don't write children's books, but um, <laughs> they don't I get suppose them obviously they could, <laughs> um, and because it's pretty hard, isn't it, to write and illustrate the books? It's harder than some might think. And so how do you break in? Do you need an agent as a writer to get in as an illustrator? How do you do it? Well, that's, it's hard to break in for sure. It's a competitive field. It's not impossible, um, but it's tricky. That question about the agent, that's sort of a catch 22. It's like mm -hmm. you need an agent to get an agent kind of thing. So tricky, tricky. Um, I, I think my advice about all of that would be to, let's see. Well, when I got started, advice was given to me, and I give the same advice to everyone I've met since, which is to look up online the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, scbwi.org. Um, SCBWI has a bunch of free information that tells you exactly what to do to get started, either writing or illustrating. 
and so many oh. resources there. And you can also, be, you know, join. They have student rates for joining and then professional rates. And it's a tiered thing. It goes up. Uh, but yeah, that everything you could want is there. Um, and that's been around for many, many, many years. And then ever since then, I, I found out about SCBWI when I was a grad student, however long ago that was. And in between times, many, many more things that are similar have sort of mushroomed up, you know, blossomed. And um, one of them that I have learned a lot from is called Children's Book Insider. It's a newsletter uh, that you subscribe to for $5 a month, uh, written by Laura Bacchus Bard. And um, she has many contributors to the newsletter. She's been doing it forever. I, I don't, I don't want to, I can't remember. It's 20 or 30 years. It's a long time. Um, but she's fantastic. And all the content in that newsletter is ex extremely helpful. And Children's Book Insider also has a YouTube channel. And she does these bi-weekly interviews. And there's a bunch of them online. And during the lockdown, I just listened to them one after the other. And I learned so much. Um, yeah, I just learned so, so much. So she must think, do a podcast too, or she just does it on YouTube with video. No, she, it's just on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. It's just on YouTube. And she, anyway, that's for anyone who's just getting what started. What was her name again? Laura Bacchus Bard. Laura Bacchus, B-A-C-K-E-S. Yeah, she's incredible. But yeah, for anyone just getting started, I would definitely recommend that. And the second thing I would recommend for sure is reading, 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 because um, children's books are very specific in terms of all kinds of things. Age range is the big deal. Word count, pacing, um, voice, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's specific to different age groups. And you, the more you read, the more you'll pinpoint the area you want to target, you know, like what book you might want to write. And, and you, you sort of need to be aware, or it's helpful to be aware where your book might fit in the canon of children's books, you know, and, and read books that have been written recently, published recently, um, because books have ch books change, you know, trends change over time and all that. So reading is important. And then the other thing is to just practice the thing that you want to do. So if you want to write, you need to just write. <laughs> I think it's funny because I think a lot of people who want to write or draw, they think about it. They have an imagination about what it could be, what that life could be like, but I right. can't Don't tell actually. you how many of our authors say the same thing. If you yes, want to write in any, write. any field. Yeah. Yeah. You just <laughs> but have they to actually all do say it. you got to actually write if you want to write. You have to write. Yeah. It's because, so true. It's such a simple thing, but yeah, I think well, it's difficult to get started. That's the main thing. And then once you get started, you're fine. But, but that's something important, I guess, to keep in mind too. Cause if you just think, okay, this is going to be hard for a while, but just a short while. And then it'll start to flow. And it can be very hard for a short while. You know, it can, it can really hurt. <laughs> like you're trying so hard to get it out and it's just not coming. And then, you know, your mind is just filled with doubt. You think, is this a huge waste of time? Why am I doing this? Oh. Um, that happened to me last year because I have always worked on books for little kids, but had an idea to write a book for older kids, which would be something completely different for me. And I listened to all the stuff I just told you about. I took a few online courses and writing children's books. And then when it came down, you know, after I'd done all my research and it was time to write, that was very, very, very hard. I had a couple of really difficult weeks, <laughs> but I pushed through it 
And then within a year, I wrote the whole book, you know? So I, I am living proof that if you just push through it, it will be okay. You will survive. And you really did your yeah. homework too. That's true. <laughs> but is, is it a YA book? Well, I thought it was at first, but now I'm thinking it's more middle grade. Um, I rewrote the whole thing a month ago for middle grade, like taking it down a notch from young adult. It's tricky because the, the cutoff between those two categories of books is around 12 or 13 years old. And middle grade books, when you look at them, they, they have a certain feeling. You can tell, okay, this is a middle grade book, but they feel much younger to me than young adult. Like there's nothing in between the two. Um, and so they say you're writing either a middle grade book, like on the older end or a young adult a young adult book on the lower end. Um, I get that because is, I recently read several YA mm -hmm, books and they mm -hmm. are so mature. They really they are. are. They have completely changed from when we used to be that age reading that stuff. It's very yeah. heavy stuff. It but I would really love to hear more about your books. So tell us about your latest one, Let's Be Friends. Oh, and if, yeah. And if, do you have a favorite among your 44? Oh, well, I guess my present favorite would be Let's Be Friends, the most recent one. It's a lift the flap book. And when you lift the flaps, I just love the way it looks. And it might just be because when you're, I, I mean, I, I think it's cute, but I'm biased, of course. But when you're working on a book like a lift the flap book, you know, everything is a flat PDF. When you're working on it, everything is just mm -hmm. flat on your screen. And so to actually get the book and pop up the actual physical flaps and just see how that looks. It was just so fun. That experience of seeing that for the first time was really cool. It's not the first lift the flap book I did, but the flaps are bigger. And I just like the way I look. I know nobody can see this, but I'll show you. So they will. They... It, they'll hear about it. Oh, oh it's adorable. It's oh, so my cute. Goodness. You, you, have a, you have an adorable little. Oh, girl. I love and, and, that. Uh, so you created all the pictures too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm the illustrator. Yeah. Where do your mm -hmm. ideas come from? Hmm. I guess just from, you know, oh boy, how to answer that question. That yeah. one, well, that one, I'll tell you, this book is about the fact that you, your friend can be anybody. Um, your friend can be different than you because people are different, but they're the same. And I got the idea for that book when we were living in New Zealand, when two mosques in Christchurch were there was a mass shooting, a mass shooting in New Zealand, just such a terrible thing, always a terrible thing. New Zealand is a peaceful country. That stuff just doesn't happen, you know, and we were living there when it happened and it was just so heartbreaking. And I kept wondering to myself, just why does it matter that we are different? Why does it matter that people are different? Why can't they just get along? And so I wrote this book called What Matters? And it was the same basic idea. Um, but it, the whole book of Let's Be Friends shows two people who have a difference. Like for example, they like different flavors of ice cream. And then the question is, can they be friends? And you open the flap and it says, of course they can, they can be friends. Um, and it goes all the way from little things like your favorite kind of ice cream, all the way to race and religion at the end. So it goes all the way through from simple things to more serious things. But yeah, so that one, the idea for that book came from something terrible. Um, I don't know, is sort of my reaction to it, just trying to put positive things in the world in the wake of terrible things. Um, and then the, the book I wrote before that, which is called Healthy, Healthy, Love, 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 is a little book about that was inspired by COVID because it's about how to stay healthy when everybody's germy and all of that. I mean, when I was, even before COVID, when my son was small, I was definitely the germ police, especially, <laughs> well, he would get sick at the drop of a hat. And if he got sick, I got sick. 
And then he was home and I was sick and I couldn't get my work done because I worked at home. And so yeah. I was always just there with the, <laughs> the Germex and always trying to keep him healthy. But <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I guess my ideas come from just whatever's going on around me, you know? Yeah. And uh, I have a new idea for a children's book I got the other day, just thinking back through life, what life was like when my son was small and little things that happened in our life together. And so, yeah, just all from things I see and things I've experienced. Well, kids are faced with so many more challenges than we were growing up. So I'm sure you have a, a wealth of ideas backing you up there. Um, yeah, they, they, life is different, isn't it? Life is for sure different. Lately, I'm thinking the best, the, the thing I want to do in children's books at the moment is just write things that are funny that make people laugh because <laughs> everything's gotten so dark and you know, yeah. uh-huh. I think yeah. it's time to just be entertained and laugh a little bit. So. Yeah, brighten up the spring and the sun. That's so what right. are you working on right now? And what do you hmm. wish you were working on, which you just kind of talked about, but tell oh, us yeah, more. Okay. Okay. So I'm waiting for my next, I, I have a book illustration assignment that's sort of looming, but hasn't landed yet. So I'm still waiting to hear what that's about. It's a book for second graders. That's the, all I know. So that'll be starting up sometime soon. And I illustrate a lot for Highlights Magazine. I'm sure you guys, oh, yeah. you ladies know Highlights. Um, mm-hmm. I'm illustrating a, a part of a little book for them right now. I drew half of it yesterday and I'm going to draw sketches for another half of that starting today. What are you drawing um, for them? Well, it's two short little stories about kids solving problems, basically. Um, yeah. So each page has, I don't know, it's almost like, it's not a comic, but there are so, so much, so much art on the page that it's almost like a comic uh, nice. with the amount of little drawings that are on the pages. Yeah. It's some new, I don't know what it is. It's for some, I think I'm drawing part of a bigger book. So other artists are also contributing mm. to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, yeah. and you, you mentioned to us <laughs> that you felt stuck writing, <sighs> writing, the longer book that you attempted. Yeah. So what do you do to unstick yourself when you feel like you have what some call writer's block? Right. Okay. Well, here's a few tips I've learned about that. Um, one thing that you can do that's sort of a little technique borrowed from fine artists is to just copy somebody else's work for an hour. So like when you're an art student in school, you go to the museum with your sketchbook and you draw what somebody else has already drawn, or you even paint, you know, to try to learn the paint technique of a famous artist, you paint what they've already painted, you copy it down to try to learn, Uh unlock their secrets. But writers can do the same thing. Um, You know, you can take your favorite novel, the part of it you like the best, just spend a few hours typing it out. And as you're typing it, you you unlock things. You're you like, for me, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's how she writes dialogue. So well type, 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 type. And yeah. so I don't know, it just, it breaks you out of your funk a little bit. And it's like, that's oh, no, I'm- really amazing. I have never heard anyone advise that mm. to, to copy, copy the actual book and, yeah. and it mm-hmm. unlocks your brain somehow. Yeah. yeah it it's does. a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. For but all, have you ever tried that? All Mary? writers. Mary, have you ever tried that? Um, that I haven't as far as being stuck and doing that, but I'm, I'm going to, because I get stuck a lot. I'm a writer too. (laughs) Not of of children's books though. It's uh, Mm -hmm. I've been, and I've been working on something forever. 
Oh, yeah. I understand I that. Mm-hmm. But I, I love that. That's, that's great. Um, who are your favorite authors to copy? Oh, my goodness. Well, lately I've been on this kick with Rainbow Rowell. Have you heard of her? She writes young adult and also adult fiction. Um, oh, I've just been loving her books. Um, Rainbow what? Rowell, R-O-W-E-L-L. She, I read one of her adult books a week or two ago called Attachments that was really cool. I recommend it. You might like it. It was a fun, you know, sort of rom-com-y sort of feeling book. Oh, it was really fun. Yeah. Um, I'm a rom-com John, person too. It sounds yeah, good for summer. You might like it. Yeah, it was. it's a good summer read for sure, but she's brilliant. She's an amazing author. And then John Green is a young adult author whose work I just absolutely love. Um, his book, Turtles All the Way Down, is incredible. Um, this other book I read a few months ago called Looking for Alaska is awesome. I was on a kick of his for a while and I think I maybe have exhausted John Green's books. I think I've read them all by now, but they're all amazing. Those two are some of my favorites. Um, and then for younger feeling books, I really love Kate DiCamillo who wrote Because of Winn-Dixie. Kate DiCamillo is incredible. So what would you like our listeners, especially those trying to break into writing and illustrating children's books and publishing, Mm -hmm. to take away from our conversation today? Oh, what a nice question. Um, I would say to always practice, to read as much as you can. And if you want to write, make sure you're writing every day, even when it's hard. And if you want to be an illustrator, make sure you're illustrating every day always practice. And it can be good to have something like a blog if you're a writer or even an illustrator um, or certainly any of the social media platforms and just contribute to that. You know, maybe you decide, okay, for the next month, I'm going to tweet one tweet every day. That's just an interesting sentence or something. You know, if, if you're a writer, you can do that and use all the little writing hashtags and get connected to other authors who are on the same journey. Um, something more visual for illustrators, Pinterest or Instagram, just make it a goal to, you know, illustrate your way through the alphabet or whatever it is. And once you've exhausted that goal, move on to another goal and just always be producing something because we all get better. You know, everybody's always working to get better. And um, if you don't, then you just stagnate and you get to the end of your life and wonder why, why you played so many games on your phone, you know, when you could have been writing or illustrating. So put that time to good use is what is what my advice would be. Well, that's, that's such great. great advice, especially with 44 books in, in your pocket there. That's wonderful <laughs> yeah, advice. That's amazing. Thank you, Violet, so much. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Violet LeMay, illustrator, children's book author, art director, and book designer. And you can reach Violet at violetlemay.com. And Instagram, you have to check out her Instagram page. It's adorable. You'll see some of her illustrations. They're beautiful. And we want to remind our listeners also to follow us on Instagram on Late Boomers and individually at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins. And if any of you listeners have a contact for someone you'd like for us to feature on Late Boomers, please drop us a line on lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z. Thanks again so much, Violet. Thank you. Thank you, Mary and Kathy. I love your podcast and it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. you. Mm.
for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.